the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. There is a reason why we call this program Crosswalk. It really is the intersection of Christian faith and Christian living. This is the program with you in mind, where we ask and try to find answers to the questions you care the most about questions about God and the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about worldviews, world religions. And of course, we talk about the news. So we talk about history, the past. We talk about prophecy, the future. And if you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. The whole world is watching what's going on in Ukraine. And so, um, again, hopefully we can give you an update on what's going on in Ukraine. I think that uh, this current administration has just recently announced that they have every reason to believe that they've they've repeatedly said that that Russia could invade Ukraine at any moment. But they went so far as to say that they believe that the actual invasion is going to take place on Wednesday, day after tomorrow. But I'm going to suggest to you that uh, if that happens, it it may or may not happen. Who, who knows? I certainly don't know. I don't have insider information or, or access to quote-unquote classified documents or classified information. And even if I did, I wouldn't reveal it to you. But if things begin to unfold. Let me just give you a kind of a scenario that I think is going to unfold. First, Russia will begin not an invasion with troops, but rather with bombing Kiev. Then there will be a cyber attack where the infrastructure will be attacked from an electrical standpoint and and cyber attacks to try to paralyze the command and control. And that's when the troop movement will begin to take place. And also, uh, just so you know, the the, uh, the 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 prime minister of Canada has declared a state of emergency over our northern border situation with the trucker convoy, which continues to escalate. And. Um, So back to the Ukrainian thing, the White House has ordered all American staff at the U.S. Embassy out, out, out. And again, the announcement followed a call uh, between uh, President Joe Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin, which failed to produce a, a diplomatic breakthrough. Also, it was reported by the Ukrainian president that he has no intention of giving up Ukraine's freedom, independence, or acquiescing to Russia's demand that they not join NATO, the National Alliance, uh, the the treaty, the the, the North American Treaty Alliance um, organization. So 
To make a long story short, a small contingent of U.S. forces, the 160 Florida National Guard, are conducting a training mission with the Ukrainian forces right at this very moment. And they were repositioned elsewhere in Eastern Europe. It's my understanding that they represented the only known U.S. troops that were in Ukrainian uh, sovereign territory. So Ukrainian officials have both signaled Russia has begun a hybrid offensive involving, like I said, cyber attacks and bomb threats, while downplaying the imminent threat of a physical invasion. And so, again, the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, was addressing his country this morning. 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. And, of course, Prime Minister Trudeau, less than an hour ago, announced that he is going to be enacting the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history. So for those of you who are listening and you go, oh, he's um, he's enacting the Emergencies Act. Well, it's never happened before, ever. So this is a big deal. And again, this comes as a response over the protests of over COVID-19 restrictions in Ottawa and all around Canada. Trudeau says the act will be limited in time, scope, and geographical area. Now, it's not being used to call in the military or override the charter. The act was established in 1988 and allows the federal government to override the provinces and authorize special temporary measures to ensure security during national emergencies. You know what this is code for, Jim? It's code for martial law. I I don't know if you know what that term means, martial law. In other words, where the provinces says, we're not going to do that. And they say, oh, yes, you are. That's what this emergency act does. In other words, it suspends the law and gives the prime minister broad sweeping powers to do what he wants. To do what he wants. And so we're about to find out what that means. So keep your eye on the north. Keep your eye on the the border. There's a whole lot going on. 303-873-1935. Now, with all of that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Valentine's Day. And um, of course, I was going to talk a little bit about Valentine's Day. Happy to do that. But if you want to call me, Friendly producer Jim is standing by, and congratulations, by the way, to the Los Angeles Rams, who won the Super Bowl. Condolences to the to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who had an amazing, an amazing game. And so, um, nothing but respect. The game was great. Both teams were uh, great. It was fun to watch. <laughs> 303873 <clears throat> Gosh, still got that little cough. 303873935 303-873-935. 
303-873-1935 if you want to join me on the program. And again, as we keep an eye on what's going on, I think that it's going to be fun. So, Valentine's Day. The origin of Valentine's Day goes back to the 3rd century. This is at a time when the Roman Empire was being invaded by the Goths. At the same time, there was their own pandemic. It was called the Plague of Cyprian. So there was a global pandemic in the 3rd century. It was probably smallpox. It broke out killed at its height 5,000 people a day. And so many people died that the Roman army was seriously depleted of soldiers. And so with the invasion of the Goths, there was a Roman emperor named Emperor Claudius II. He needed more soldiers to fight the invading Goths. And he believed that men fought better if they weren't married. So he banned traditional marriage in the military, and I'll have more when we come back. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. Happy Valentine's Day. Here to tell you a little bit about the origins of Valentine's Day. 303-873-1935 is my number if you want to join me with your question about the Bible, with your question about Jesus, with your questions about what's going on in this great big world. And I gave a little bit of a summary of Ukraine and um, Russia. And we've been talking about it last week and this week, and we're keeping a close eye. But back to the story of Valentine. And earlier I indicated that it goes all, Valentine's Day goes all the way back to the third century. And this was at a time when the Roman Empire was being invaded by Goths and not people with black uh, makeup and hair. These are the Goths uh, of a different time. You know, I guess I shouldn't try to explain every single thing, but they were a Germanic group um, who fought against Rome in the late 300s and the early 400. So this is a Germanic group of people who wanted to bring about the collapse of the Roman Empire, and they pretty much succeeded. So at that time, there was a plague. It was a global pandemic. It was called the Plague of Cyprian, and it was probably smallpox. And like I indicated earlier, at its height, it was killing 5,000 people a day. And so many people died that the Roman army was seriously depleted. So the Roman emperor, Claudius II, needed more soldiers to fight the invading Goths. And it was his belief that soldiers fought better if they weren't married. So guess what he did? He banned traditional marriage in the military. And Rome was also torn from internal rivalries which continued since the assassination of the previous emperor, whose name was Galenius. Now, Emperor Claudius II tried to, to subdue, quell these tensions by representing and requesting to the Roman Senate that they deify the emperor Galenius so that he would be worshipped like the rest of the Roman gods. 
So citizens were forced to worship the Roman gods and those who were deified. And the way that they worshiped them was by placing a pinch of incense on a fire before their statues. And so the people who refused to worship the Roman gods were considered politically incorrect or unpatriotic. In other words, here's an important point that you may or may not understand. There was freedom of religion in Rome. You could pretty much believe whatever you wanted to believe. So they didn't see this act as simply a refusal on the part to worship the Roman gods. They saw it as an act of political insurrection. They saw it as unpatriotic. So they saw the people who refused to pinch the incense as enemies of the state and that they were to be killed. So Emperor Decian, he had a persecution specifically targeted at Christians with Roman legislation that forced them to deny their conscience or die. And so during the first three centuries of Christianity, there were what historians call three, well, there were what historians call 10 major persecutions, which the government um, threw Christians to the lions and boiled them alive and had their tongues cut out. And they, you know, would get them off Instagram. No, that's, there was no Instagram back in those days. But, you know, again, when you get your tongue cut out physically, literally in the Roman Empire, it's hard to talk. It's hard to promote dissent if you don't have a tongue. So cutting their tongue out was sometimes, as crazy as this sounds, the least horrible thing that they did. They would do a lot worse. So Roman soldiers would break into church meetings and catacombs and homes. They would confiscate and destroy Christian writings and scripture and church records. And because so many of the records were destroyed, a lot of Valentine's life is limited. In other words, the records are so limited that we know very, very little. But what is known comes primarily from the bishop of Caesarea, whose name was Eusebius, who wrote a history. And he compiled this history around 362 AD, and um, it had the name about the martyrology of Jerome. In other words, it was, at, in 362, it was a list, it was a compilation of Christians who had died in faith and for their faith. And it was compiled about 460 plus A.D. And so Valentine is mentioned in another uh, historical document called the Legenda Sanctorum in 1260. And there were several individuals who had that name, Valentine. And so scholars and historians believe that he was either a priest in Rome or a bishop in the central part of Italy in a place called Tyranny. He risked the emperor's wrath because he 
would stand up for traditional marriage. Now, think about this for just a moment and the tie to the modern age, because the idea of traditional marriage has been upended by the culture. Traditional marriage has been between a man and a woman. In this particular instance, what the emperor was up upending was no marriage for people in the military. So what Valentine did, he secretly married soldiers to their young brides. And when the emperor Claudius demanded that Christians deny their conscience and worship pagan idols, Valentine refused. He was arrested, dragged before the prefect of Rome. Now, the prefect of Rome was sort of like the mayor, and he had jurisdictional powers in the city of Rome, but not, obviously, he didn't have um, absolute power like the emperor. So this Valentine's arrested, he's dragged before the prefect, he's condemned to die, and while awaiting execution, his jailer, Asterius, asks St. Valentine to pray for his blind daughter. And when she was miraculously healed, she regained her sight. The jailer converted to Christianity and was baptized along with many others. And right before his execution, St. Valentine wrote a note to the jailer's daughter. And he signed it, from your Valentine. And so Valentine was beaten with clubs and stones and when that failed to kill him, he was beheaded outside the Flaminian Gate on February 14th. On February 14th, 269 AD. So getting your wife a card and some flowers shouldn't be that big of a deal. But that's just a little bit. I hope you had some fun finding out a little bit more about Valentine's Day. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. And, and we, so we have no bumper. Okay, so we're coming up on our bumper. I think we had some changes. So Pope Galatius designated February 14th as St. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I was talking about <laughs> Valentine's Day. And, of course, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. And, of course, Valentine's Day conjures up historically a lot of different important things like protecting traditional marriage and affirming the reality of certain God-given realities. And by the way, uh, Christian fundraising site Give, Send, Go has been hacked, so the names of Freedom Convoy donors were leaked, according to a couple of different news outlets. 303-873-1935. That's my number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. And we were talking a little bit about 
um, St. Valentine's Day. And when I left off, we were um, sort of coming towards the Middle Ages after the collapse of the Roman Empire. Um, a pope basically named February 14th as Valentine's Day. And during the course of history in the Middle Ages, those of you who had English, if you will, in high school or college, there was a man named Geoffrey Chaucer. He's been called the father of English literature. He wrote a poem. And in it, he described how birds choose their mates in mid-February. And he wrote, for this was St. Valentine's Day, when every bird of every kind that men can imagine come to this place to choose his mate. And he made another mention in his final chapter of his very famous book, The Canterbury Tales. And he said, quote, the book of the Duchess, the book of St. Valentine's Day of the Parliament of Birds. Actually, he wrote it, Brids, but it means birds. The association of birds with fidelity in marital love came about because about 90% of bird species are monogamous. And so this is the idea of the relationship between St. Valentine's Day and love birds. And of course, you know, Jim, we should have had our friends from our sister station, um, whose program you used to produce our, our uh, bird friends. What are their names? Yeah. David and Scott Minow. Because, we could have had a little discussion about lovebirds. I know this is a Bible program. I want to take your Bible calls, 303-873-1935. But the Minnow Brothers could have talked about swans and Canadian geese and ravens and cranes and blue jays and barn owls and red-tailed hawks and woodpeckers and ospreys, raptors, penguins, and bald eagles. After elaborate courtships, depending on the species, these birds remain together until one partner dies and birds that mate for life have offspring that require more extensive care and instruction from parents. So they're able to mate earlier in the season, which allows their young more time to develop before the fall and winter seasons of long migrations, harsh winter weather. And so after Chaucer poems, more references appeared in the literature surrounding St. Valentine's Day and courtship and courtly love. And this eventually developed into the 18th century English tradition of presenting flowers or offering candy and sending Valentine cards. So if you go to King Supers, if you go to Safeway, if you go to fill in the blank, whatever uh, Trader Joe's, whatever, uh, Whole Foods, wherever you go, you'll see Valentine cards. You'll see flowers. You'll see candy. You'll see X's and O's on the card. Did you know that the Greek name for Christ, Christo, begins with an X? In Greek, it's called Chi, 
X became a common abbreviation for the name Christ. And that's why Christmas is also abbreviated as Xmas. But in medieval times, the X was called the Christ's cross or the Chris cross. And it reminded students that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And of course, the poet said, mortals near shall know more than contained of old, the crisscross row. So the Christ's cross was a form of a written oath, similar to the ancient practice of swearing on a Bible. So remember in the day they would say, so help me God. And then, so this was the practice of swearing on a Bible saying, so help me God, then kissing the Bible. In, in a sense, that would mean it was a sign. It was like signing a document with or next to Christ's cross to swear before God that you were going to keep the agreement and then you would kiss it to show sincerity. And that practice came down as sign at the X or I swear cross my heart. So that's the origin of of signing a Valentine's card with an X to express a pledge before God to be faithful. And then an O to seal the pledge with a kiss of sincerity. So even if your unbelieving friends send you a Valentine's card with X's and O's, Probably most of them have no idea about its historical meaning. And by the way, history is laced with references to Valentine. You know, Frederick Douglass was born a slave and he was separated from his mother as a child. And when he was asked his birthday, he didn't know his birthday. All he remembers is that his mother would call him my little Valentine. And so the great, great Frederick Douglass <laughs> chose as his birthday, February 14th. Theodore Roosevelt's wife and mother both died on the very same day in 1884. It was Valentine's Day. And so distraught, depressed, grieved, Roosevelt dropped out of New York politics, left his infant daughter with a relative, and he went off to ranch in the Dakotas. The St. Valentine's Day massacre occurred in 1929 during the Prohibition era. All Capone's Chicago mob murdered seven members of the Bugs Moran's Irish gang. Al Capone's hitman was a guy named Frank Nitti. As he terrorized neighborhoods, he was accompanied by the young Saul Alinsky, who later incorporated this into his political technique of community organizing. And by the way, did you know that Hillary Clinton wrote a graduate thesis on Saul Alinsky, community organizing, and of course, a former famous president self-identified as a Saul Alinsky disciple 
and put as his occupation community organizing. Saul Alinsky wrote Rules for Radicals in 1971. This is long after he was mobbed up with Al Capone. He said the organizer must first rub raw the resentments of the people of the community, stir up dissatisfaction and discontent, search out controversies and issues. Sounds like a map of what's happened for the last two years. 303-873-1935. That's the number. You can still call me. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. It's 303-873-1935. And you're wondering, how can he go from Valentine's Day to Saul Alinsky? Well, if you were listening, you would understand. Remember, we talked about um, that the St. Valentine's Day massacre occurred in 1929 during the Prohibition period. Al Capone's Chicago mob murdered seven members of the Bugs Moran Irish gang. Al Capone had a hitman named Frank Nettie, and as he terrorized the neighborhood, he was accompanied by a young Saul Alinsky, who uh, later incorporated some of these mobster tactics into his community organizing. Um, And he wrote a book called Rules for Radicals in 1971, very well known by both former presidents, Hillary, well, she was never the president, former president Barack Obama and former secretary of state, and First Lady Hillary Clinton. But in his Rules for Radicals, which he wrote in 1971, Saul Alinsky wrote, the organizer organizer must first rub raw the resentments of the people of the community, stir up dissatisfaction and discontent, search out controversy and issue, fan the latent hostilities of many of the people to the point of overt expression. For unless there's controversy, the people aren't motivated enough to act, unquote. And so since the time of the Roman persecutions, Christianity has been the most persecuted faith in the world with over 300 martyrs each day or one every five minutes in mostly communist and fundamental Islamic countries. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me. Joan, or Joanne, welcome to the program. Hi there. Um, Is it Joan or Joanne, or Giovanna? Uh, Joan. Joan. In Italian, your name is Giovanna. Well, I'm Dutch, so that doesn't work. Okay. Well, then you can be Joan. (laughs) Okay. Um, I had a question about Valentine's Day, just going back to that. Isn't that My interesting? Question? Yeah. Okay. It well, is what you were saying. I, I really thought that was great. But um, anyway, my husband, he doesn't do Valentine's Day because he says it's a pagan holiday. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it is not a pagan holiday. And that they um, 
like it's demonic and they've sacrificed people and stuff like that. That's a big inno. Yeah, that's a big inno. The origin of Valentine's Day goes to a Christian bishop who, when the Roman emperor refused to allow Roman soldiers to get married, he secretly married them behind the emperor's back. So your husband couldn't be more wrong. Okay, well... I mean, I'm not trying to start an argument or a fight no, in what is no. a, what I'm sure a very tranquil home. But oh, it would yeah. it would be nice to get some flowers once in a while, wouldn't it? Uh, it very much would be, yeah. Okay, so so no, no, it, it is not. It doesn't have pagan origins. Is it a Catholic based thing then? Well, the way that I would answer that question is Roman Catholicism, as you and I understand it unfolds long after Valentine, which takes place in the 3rd century or the the 400s A.D. And so Valentine is put to death by the Roman Emperor Claudius for sedition and because he refuses to worship the Roman gods. And for if you refuse to, to, to worship the Roman gods, they would kill you sometimes. And, and unfortunately, Valentine was one of those people who would eventually be put to death. But remember what I said earlier, he was put in prison and his jailer was telling the story of his blind daughter. He prayed for his daughter and she's healed. Now, again, to your question about Catholicism. Again, the way I would answer it is the the modern understanding of Roman Catholic Catholicism is going to begin to unfold in the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th century. So, no, it, 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 it is certainly um, Christianity in, in, after the 3rd century. Okay. All right. Well, cool. That's makes me feel better because I, I think it's a nice holiday. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And, you know, again, for those people who are unfamiliar, in 593, that's when belief in purgatory came about. In 600, they started to pray to Mary and the saints. In 709, they would kiss the Pope's foot. In 995, they would canonize the dead saints. In 1079, that's when the priesthood was ordered to be celibate. But prior to AD 1079, priests could marry. In 1090, they started praying the rosary. And in 1215, they started cultivating and then expressing the transubstantiation and confession of sin to a priest. And so, yeah, Roman Catholicism didn't just all of a sudden emerge one day with all of this stuff. And so in the fourth century, all of the stuff that you would associate with Catholicism didn't exist. Okay. Well, cool. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Isn't that interesting? It is. Uh, you know, uh, there was one person who called a while back, and I couldn't stay on the phone. He was pretty upset that you told somebody um, all these things about the Catholic Church, and he told you you fed him a bunch of lies, and I, I really wanted to stay on, but I couldn't. It was 
It was sure. wonderful. Well, I, you know, Joan is a good Dutch girl. You know, it's not, it's not helpful to misrepresent another person's position, even if you don't agree with it. So, so I, I really do try hard not to misrepresent the person's position. What I try to do is say, this is their position, and that's not what the Bible says. So, right. Unfortunately, yep. well, <laughs> unfortunately, we. We, we're, we're doing our best, aren't we? That's right. We try to. Hey, thank no. you. And, and by the way, happy Valentine's Day. Well, thank you so much. And happy Valentine's Day to you as well. 303-873-1935. That's the number. And again, if you're wondering, throughout history, under various popes, Many of the distinctive Roman Catholic doctrines started to emerge. Did it come from the Bible? No. So by the time, again, you get to 593 A.D., a lot is going on. Now, again, non-Catholics would establish the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church in about 590 with Gregory the First, who consolidated the power of the bishopric in Rome, or the what we might call the ascendancy, or what's the word I'm looking for? The um, supremacy, if you will, of the bishop in Rome. So I hope that helps. 303. 303- 873-1935. Happy to take your calls and, t- and answer your questions when we come back. 303-873-1935. Hopefully we'll have some news updates when we come back. And uh, again, as we look at the trucker blockade, both in Canada and in the district, is there a trucker blockade coming for... The District of Columbia. Hey, I'll have that story when we come back. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 